When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate. You call on such lost creatures for men. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very desperate. You might not be glad that you did. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people if they could become something more. Like the battles that we never could. Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast devoted to discussion of Marvel Crisis Protocol. My name is Jesse Aiken, and I am joined by my co-host and good friend, Chris Ruffett. Chris, how are you feeling today? Jesse, I'm feeling great. I've been reading a lot of comic books. I have too. My good friend Sean has recently converted me into a cable fan. I never thought I'd be here, but here we are. I now like cable. Wait, this is news to me. Oh yeah, I, I never liked cable. That's pretty extreme. Just knowing your history in the X-Men universe, basically, I, I guess is I'm shocked. Part of my love of the X-Men is being able to have very strong opinions about them. Oh my goodness. But that's like a huge Spider-Man universe fan saying they just absolutely hate Venom. No, he is not that integral to X-Men, okay? <laughs> he was big during a really down period of the X-Men, okay, is when he came in. I take that back. New Mutants were awesome. I don't know. Cable. So uh, good. <laughs> I just didn't like his militant attitude. That was really yeah. what it came down to. So, yeah, I just didn't like him. And then... Recently, my good buddy, Sean, got me to read First and Second Coming, you know, start Cable and Hope Summers, you know, right. Cable's on the run with Hope, Bishop's after him, and I really just, something clicked in my brain. I realized that Cable's not this over-militant jerk. He's actually worst possible future man. He's very grimdark. Yeah. He is from the worst possible timeline for mutants and really all of humanity. Right. You know, that thought kind of swung the pendulum in my mind, and I am now a Cable fan. Let's get a little Terminator here. So, yeah, he's kind of like a survivor of the Terminator universe or something like Dragon yeah. Ball Z Future Trunks level. I was thinking he's very grimdark, you know, very not that it's yes. very similar to Warhammer 40K, but it's a very grimdark setting. You know, everything is bad. Every day is bad. Right. And he's a lone survivor of, of sorts, right? So. Right. It's pretty interesting. I need to read that run. I've always heard things. Oh, man. I've always wanted incredible. to learn more about Cable. He's an incredibly well-designed character. Like Visually, once you see him, you know him. I think that's part of it, too. But yeah, I've always wanted to learn more about him. 
outside of just the main X-Men runs, of course. I would highly recommend that run. Well, there you go. Chris gave us a Cable recommendation. That was completely unplanned, which is great. So, Chris, you've been reading Cable. I have been reading basically all of Abnett's stuff. Ah, congratulations. And that's been really great. It's a head-scratcher, man, a lot of it, and in the best way possible. As we talked about in our last episode, all these cosmic works are truly deep and philosophical and ask big questions and sometimes don't give direct answers. That's pretty interesting for not only comics, but of course, superhero comics. It is very interesting in that regard. And something that I really love about that cosmic universe is his grappling with the powers cosmic. Mm. He's just unimaginable powers, these unimaginable entities that we can't even fully comprehend. So they project themselves like Galactus, for example. Oh, yes. That's not really what Galactus looks like. He's just, you know, far more complicated, cosmic powered entity. And the powers cosmic just really, really interests me big time. It's great stuff. We're obviously going to cover more of it on the show in the future and, of course, more today, which is very exciting. So stay tuned for that. But we're going to continue to talk about how great it is, why you should be reading it. And Chris, in the future, I'm assuming we're going to get more cosmic stuff for MCP. One can only hope. So if that happens, you and I will dive even deeper into these great stories on this show. And you, the listener, can follow along with us. So mentioning MCP, shifting a little bit from lore, because we're going to get to some deep lore today. Chris, there were some spoilers over the last couple of weeks, quite a bit of spoilers for MCP. In a couple of weeks, we're about to get Kingpin, Daredevil, Bullseye, Punisher, and Taskmaster. And then this new affiliation of the game, the Criminal Syndicate, which Kingpin leads. So it's going to be a big deal in a couple of weeks when this all coalesces. And what do you know? Tommy Mass, great at what they always do. Great blogs, great articles, and great streams revealing information on all the things I just listed. So let's just start with Kingpin because it's exciting and we're going to do an episode on him in the future. But I feel like with Kingpin, all of our wants were answered, Chris, because you and I talked about on the show, it's going to be great that he's going to be a spider foe. It's so thematic, especially that 90s era Spider-Man. But in the back of our minds, we're always saying we hope he is the leader of his own affiliation. It turns out he's the leader of the criminal syndicate, and he has a leadership called Illicit Network, which is a whole new faction in the game that kind of makes Wakanda's objective play look outdated and different. And what's interesting is Wakanda's affiliation doesn't necessarily have to do with the objective play, but every member of their team does. This is kind of reverse, Chris. This is the affiliation itself specifically only focuses on objectives and objectives only, but not all members of the team are necessarily going to be objective focused. So I think that's pretty cool that we're kind of giving this leadership across the board. And the leadership basically is once per turn at any time during allied characters, it may spend two power to use Kingpin's leadership ability. Move one asset or civilian token being held by the active character to another allied character within range three. A character cannot hold more tokens than the normal amount allowed by the crisis due to this leadership, obviously. Additionally, each allied healthy character contesting an objective token during the crisis counts as two healthy characters when determining who is securing objective tokens. Chris, your boy Crossbones just came back in the game. He's part of this faction, by the way. Jesse, I love this. I absolutely love this illicit network. It's so cool, and I'm already really scared to play you. Oh, no. <laughs> While you're playing this affiliation, it's going to be terrible. I've got some news for you, Chris. This team, though I do think I could probably play well with them in a tournament, potentially, 
they don't really interest me on a thematic level with what's in the game currently. I will play them. I will have fun. I will enjoy playing Kingpin and some of these villains on his team, but they don't speak to me on that thematic level. We might be okay here. <laughs> You're crazy. <laughs> Mysterio, oh, Goblin, Killmonger, Crossbones, Moda. This team Modoc. is full of killers, man. Super villains. An unreleased character in Black Cat that we now have to look forward to. Very true. You've got Bullseye Taskmaster coming in the future. <laughs> so they're going to be the new shiny things to play with. They will. They'll be those cheap units too. No, I think it's a great faction. I love this faction. I think if I'm leaning villains, Chris, I'm going to lean into the spider foes, which interesting enough i do think it's very viable to have a bag of 10 miniatures that's half spider foes and half this team because turns out a lot of them are just crossovers you know that's a great point green goblin kingpin we've also got doc ock who's only a spider foe but i think he fits into this team so we got some interesting dynamics going on here i think it works and of course we have mysterio who's going to be a spider foe and now we know he's going to be a criminal syndicate player as well so Really easy, Chris, to have a Spider Foes Criminal Syndicate bag, which I think would actually be really fun because you sit across from a player, you see their objectives, you see their crises, you see their tactics cards, and you say, okay, this is going to be more of a fighting aggro game. I'm going Spider Foes. No, this is going to be more of an objective-based game. I'm pivoting to Wilson's team. I'm pivoting to the criminal objective play. So I actually think that's very viable going forward in the future and could be really fun. That's probably the first bag I'll make for this team. That makes a lot of sense. And it does sound like a lot of fun, but I don't know, man. I don't know. Well, let's talk about Kingpin real quick because we got to move on. But boy, is he tanky, Chris. And boy, is he a threat on the table. He's a big boy. He has crossbones ability instead of inert to pain. His is called intense physical conditioning, where he can spend power to reduce the amount of damage he suffers. He has an innate ability where he doesn't suffer damage from a collisions with other characters. So don't throw him or maybe you do want to throw him. I don't know. And he's got some nasty close range attacks that do a lot of damage. So absolutely. If you're looking for a fun brawler who's tanky and going to be around for a while, this is the guy you want to play. And man, did they realize him? I'm very into this sculpt, Chris. And we've talked about it before on the show and we'll talk about it again when his episode comes up, but they just nailed it. They nailed the intimidation factor of Kingpin, but also kind of the regal luxury that he lives in and, and you know, always dressed to the nines and all that. So, and of course he has the cane and he's crushing the Nelson and Murdoch sign, which was a, just a touch I was not ready for. They're really, really good at little things. They really are. But we got to move on to my main man, Chris, of this particular set, which is Matt Murdock himself, Daredevil. So they revealed Daredevil. We were discussing where he could fit in the game, what he could be like. Turns out he's a four threat melee character, more akin to Black Panther, which makes sense now when you say it out loud. But he's got some really interesting stuff, Chris. First of all, he's a wall crawler. He has three different physical attacks. He has the man without fear after attack targeting this character is resolved. This character may use his superpower if the attacker is within range two. He gets to make a free strike attack targeting them. I say free strike. You pay two for this. Then you get to make an out of activation strike targeting them. I mean, this is Daredevil and things like Devil's Deliverance, Chris, which is one of his attacks. First of all, it's an A2 area attack, which we always think are cool. Absolutely the coolest. And this is the most Daredevil thing I've ever seen, because what did we talk about, Chris, when we saw the reveal of Daredevil? We said he's like a grown-up Spider-Man 
who loses a lot, just like Spider-Man. He gets beat up a lot, just like Spider-Man, but he's got this heart of gold, this moral compass, and he just keeps fighting to the end. And turns out this attack, every non-day's enemy character within this A2 range buffs this attack even more. So basically, if he jumps into a big group of people, he's hitting harder. He's fighting stronger. He's really fighting to his last minute. So he's a guy that's going to disrupt groups of people, you know, and he's going to go in and take out those smaller models pretty easily. I really like his kit. I was very impressed with his kit. We've already talked about how much we enjoyed the sculpt on the show. That's right. But I'm very much looking forward to getting this character on the table. This one is probably the biggest surprise out of all these leaks for me Mm. about just how much I want to play Daredevil. You know, I kind of lean towards the bad guys. It's true. But this kit just sounds really cool it really does chris and i cannot wait to play him you know he's fast he's a wall crawler he's got these innate defense abilities but he also wants to be in the fray he's gonna be a blast probably a lot of finesse to playing him correctly too so i'm really interested in learning that we gotta talk about what comes with daredevil which of course is bullseye which is a really really fun looking character so we have of course benjamin poindexter bullseye three threat He's kind of a Zemo of sorts, but not. Mm, Good thought. Zemo has charge. He has the opposite. He has hit and run where he makes an attack. Then he gets to do a move all in one action, which is nice. He's got some good ranged attacks, both range four, which is great. But most interesting part of his kit, Chris, I think, and I think this is going to be a huge thing that's going to shake up the game a little bit if he fits on correct teams. He has a superpower called I Never Miss after an attack made by bullseye is resolved if no damage was dealt as a result of that attack as in if the enemy blocked all hits or mitigated all damage this character may use the superpower the target character now suffers one damage this costs one power so and it's range four with his strike chris so it's kind of like shuri is the control ping mm-hmm. his is the finish you off ping absolutely pretty interesting and shuri's is not guaranteed hers is a big pool of dice that's only going to give, give you one ping if a damage gets through his is did a damage not get through okay spend a power guarantee a damage gets through the option of guaranteed damage is absolutely insane i would almost liken it to having a pierce yes in a way sure the power cost you know kind of sucks But, you know, anything Pierce, I love. Right. And he's a three threat character. So we've always said that the four and three threats are the basis and backbone of the game. You know, when when you go lower or higher than that, you're kind of going more niche. So we're going to see him around, you know? Oh, yeah. And speaking of three threats, Chris, let's move on to Frank Castle himself. Punisher was revealed recently. He's a three threat as well, which is, I think, a great place for him to be. And I'm really excited that he's going to fit in a lot of places. But turns out. He has a range three attack, and he also has a range five sniper attack, which is nice. He also has a sort of reverse Hella mechanic. It's an innate ability called The Fallen. When another allied character on your team is dazed or KO'd by the enemy effect, Punisher gains a punishment token. This character may have a maximum of three punishment tokens. Oh, that sounds like the three souls. Mm -hmm. Then he has an ability called no more second chances. Discard one to three punishment tokens during the next attack made by the Punisher this turn. Add one die to his attack roll for each punishment token that was discarded in this way. The superpower can be used only once per turn. So people are dying on the map. Hell is getting souls and buffing herself for future attacks. Punisher is specifically only his team, so it's a weaker version of it. But if he's the last standing person, 
right? And he keeps using tokens as the game goes on. And his attacks are going to hit pretty hard, Chris. If you discard three tokens with his sniper shot, that's a 10 dice range five sniper shot with Pierce. To me, he screams wide list. Absolutely. In a, in a list call. that you're not going to be worried about losing a couple models, it's going to be expected. Yeah. In that case, we're already expecting it. Why don't we go ahead and use a mechanic that helps us every time that happens? So yeah, he just screams wide list, sniper, just try to get enough power to take those aimed shots. Right. He looks good. Yeah, he's got cool things like the spec ops training where he spends two power and gives him a short move that doesn't take an action, which is great. And then, of course, it drew a lot of excitement out of a lot of people is his active superpower called Warzone. It costs three, which is pretty expensive. It's like Goblin's Trick or Treat. Choose an interactive terrain feature of size three or less within range four of the Punisher. Enemy characters within range one of that terrain feature suffer two damage. Notice it doesn't say make a dodge save like Goblin's. The train feature is now destroyed and removed from the battlefield. So he just blows up a building for three power and then all enemy characters within range one of it, probably getting cover from the building originally, now I'll take two damage. That's pretty brutal as well. Pretty cool, man. Closing out our section here, Chris, I know there's a character you're really excited about who's also another threat three. So once again, we're getting a lot of flavor and a lot of list building options here. That's Taskmaster Anthony Masters. He looks great. I love the sculpt on this model so much. It's so good. It's so good. But yeah, I'm excited to use the character too. He looks fun. He's got two range, two strong, you know, melee attacks. And then he's got Cap's shield throw, which I think is really interesting. Pretty cool. And then he's got things like the reverse of Killmonger, where he's got abilities where if you've attacked him a second time in turn, he gets extra defense dice. So do you really want to target him twice in a row? These are things that you can ask because he also has martial artists like Black Widow. If you're within range two, he adds blanks in his defense rolls to his total successes. I can't say this enough. Most importantly, he's a rogue agent like Bucky Barnes. So this man is on every team. He's on every team in the game. I love that. It's just going to let me use him more. I imagine I'm going to use him a lot too. His sculpt is the exact opposite of our thoughts on the Bucky Barnes sculpt. Mm -hmm. Bucky's good. He fits in places. More as the game goes on, these rogue agents become less and less viable from a list building standpoint. But if you just, you know, shred away the rogue agent part and look at their kit, if it fits your team, that's really what matters. But yeah, he's going to be a great addition to maybe that spider foes criminal syndicate list I was talking about, Chris. He might be great option there bump up either team to the number they need to be he'll fit it's really nice so that's been a lot of spoilers we're not going to discuss angela and enchantress today because they're not actually out chris i know they were released early and atomic mass made a great statement talking about how they were released early by distributors by accident but they really do not exist in the game until quarter one of 2021 early to mid-january so we're going to treat them the same way out of respect of atomic mass. I know there's people out in the world that I'm putting Angela together and she's my current favorite sculpt in the game and my favorite sculpt from Gen Con. And I know people have dropped their cards and all this stuff, but out of respect for them and just the state of the actual game, they don't actually exist until next year. So I know people are excited about them. It's excited to have new as guardians in the game and also a guardian. You know, we're not going to talk about them here, which is hard for us because they're two characters I'm really looking forward to. And when I have them in my hands, we'll happily talk about them. We'll get them painted up and have a blast. And most importantly, do their episode. It's going to be a lot of fun doing the research for these. Angela is going to be quite the episode. If you listen to our Gen Con, 
initial impressions episode, we kind of talked about our thoughts on Angela and how excited we were about her. But yeah, it's going to be some nice, interesting research, Chris. We're definitely have to jump around certain companies to get her full story. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. That was a lot of fun news up front. Today on Fury's Finest, what we are discussing is a very important topic, and that's Thanos, the Mad Titan. So, Chris, I think we just need to get into it. Fury's Finest is sponsored by Discount Games, Inc. Go to www.discountgamesinc.com for all your Marvel Crisis Protocol and miniature gaming needs. Our patrons support Fury's Finest at patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. If you enjoy this show consider supporting with a monthly contribution. We'd like to thank all of our patrons for their support. This week, we want to send a very, very special thank you to John A. Thank you so much for supporting the show. You humble us with your contribution. Thank you, John. And of course, huge thank you to our Avenger producer, Matthew R. We hope you guys enjoyed our first episode of the title in the works, but Jesse and Chris present After Dark, Fury's Finest. We hope you guys enjoyed that. That is for the Asgardian and producer tier patrons because we thought these patrons need to get something extra because they really are going the extra mile with their contribution to the show. If that's something that interests you, Asgardian tier, you know, $10 a month, you support the show, you support what we do here, you get a second podcast where it's Chris and I talking about all sorts of things. And we've had discussions about, we can go a lot of places with this, right, Chris? (laughs) We're very excited about what all we're going to be talking about and doing with this it's just a fun little thing. It's it's nothing like huge. It's just it's no. just really fun. It's free form. It's not our normal structure and it's less produced. It's just, you know, us hanging out, talking about whatever topics that come to our mind that week. So it's really exciting because it can be week to week topical as well. All right, Chris, let's get into lore. All right, guys. We are finally wrapping up this whole thing. <laughs> That's right. It's been a long time. Let's get into Thanos. Who is Thanos? Thanos is the mad Titan. He was born on Titan, Saturn's moon. He is a mutated eternal. So there's the race of eternals. He's a mutated eternal. He is a son. He is a brother. He's a nihilistic jerk. So let's talk about his first appearance in comics. Thanos was created by writer and artist Jim Starlin, made his first appearance in the Invincible Iron Man number 55, cover dated February 1973. He goes back, which is good. He's been here a while and he's done some stuff. Now, I have trimmed up his lore quite a bit. There's some some things missing, some very convoluted things that would have yeah. made, made this a lot harder. And we just don't have that much time. So I have trimmed this up. If you are curious, feel free to look into Thanos and fill yourself in on some of this wacky stuff he's done. So Thanos was born on Saturn's moon Titan as the son of Eternals Alars and Suisan. His brother is Eros of Titan. Thanos carries the deviant gene and as such shares the physical appearance of the Eternals cousin race. Shocked by his appearance and the belief that he would destroy all life in the universe, Soisan attempted to kill him, but she was stopped by Alars. During his school years, Thanos was a pacifist and would only play with his brother Eros and pets. By adolescence, Thanos had become fascinated with nihilism and death, worshipping and eventually falling in love with the physical embodiment of death, Mistress Death. 
As an adult, Thanos augmented his physical strength and powers through his superior scientific knowledge. He also attempted to create a new life for himself by siring many children, as well as becoming a pirate. He finds no fulfillment in either of these until he is visited again by Mistress Death, for whom he murders his offspring and his pirate captain. Wow, what a start. Yeah, he's weird, man. I will say, Chris, the most important part of what you just said, and something that's pretty different from the MCU's version of Thanos, is this fascination with nihilism and this fascination with death. And it goes so far as to him, of course, being in a relationship with Mr. Death. But if you distill Thanos and the comic book universe down to two things, it's this fascination with nihilism and fascination with death. And that kind of guides everything he does. Very different from the wrong and obviously villainous, but thinking he's altruistic MCU Thanos, where the death has been dialed a different way. It's been dialed for the good of the universe, but this Thanos in comics, it's a little different. It is a little different, and that's an excellent observation and point to bring up. This comic book Thanos is not, I don't want to say as driven, because he is right. driven. Whatever he decides he's going to do, he does, but he's not so obsessed on a singular idea, I should say. He's more feral. For mm. lack of a better word, that's what I use, but he's more the essence of nihilism and death and making sure they come to the cosmic universe. And the Thanos, of course, in the MCU, very powerful, but he's also a little bit more grounded and he's more of an, an everyman, at least how he is initially until he has the gauntlet. And he's kind of taken this sort of philosophical approach to everything he does in his life. And there's similarities but I will say this Thanos is more the embodiment of death. Interesting enough, Chris, something that's a through line for both of them in some stories, not all stories, especially in the comics, but they're not inherently pure evil. And that's kind of, I think, a through line of Thanos throughout the time, especially in the MCU, that they have these sort of like fixated ideologies and that's kind of all they stick to, which inherently makes them evil later because they make decisions that lead to only these ideologies. That's just an initial thing to keep in mind because every decision he makes is based around these two things. Well, let's jump back into it. Wishing to impress Mistress Death, Thanos gathers an army of villainous aliens and begins a nuclear bombardment of Titan that kills millions of his own race. Seeking universal power in the form of the Cosmic Cube, Thanos travels to Earth. Prior to landing, his vessel destroys a nearby car as a family witnesses his arrival. Unbeknownst to Thanos, two of the family members in the vehicle survive. The father's spirit is preserved by the titanic cosmic entity Kronos and is given a new form as Drax the Destroyer, while the daughter is found by Thanos' father, Mentor, and is raised to become the heroine Moondragon. Thanos eventually locates the cube and also attracts the attention of Mistress Death. Willing the cube to make him omnipotent, Thanos then discards the cube. He imprisons Kronos and taunts Kree hero Captain Marvel, who, with the aid of the superhero team The Avengers and Isaac, whom is a supercomputer based on Titan, is eventually able to defeat Thanos by destroying the cube. Thanos later comes to the aid of Adam Warlock in a war against the Magus and his religious empire. During the process, he ends up adopting Gamora in order to use her as his assassin to kill Adam Warlock and become the Magus. During this alliance, Thanos cultivates a plan to reunite with Mistress Death and secretly siphons off the energies of Warlock's soul gem. 
combining these with the power of the other Infinity Gems to create a weapon capable of destroying a star. Warlock summons the Avengers and Captain Marvel to stop Thanos. Although the plan is foiled when Thanos kills Warlock, the Titan regroups and captures the heroes, who are freed by Spider-Man and the Thing. Thanos is finally stopped by Warlock, whose spirit emerges from the Soul Gem and turns the Titan to stone. Thanos' spirit eventually reappears to accompany a dying Captain Marvel's soul into a realm of death. Thanos is eventually resurrected and collects the Infinity Gems once again. He uses the gems to create the Infinity Gauntlet, making himself omnipotent, and erases half the living things in the universe to prove his love to death. This act and several other acts are soon undone by Nebula and Adam Warlock. Warlock reveals that Thanos has always allowed himself to be defeated because the Titan secretly knows he is not worthy of ultimate power. Thanos joins Warlock as part of the Infinity Watch and helps him to defeat first his evil and then good personas and cure Thor of warrior madness. Then we're going to make a rather large time skip up to our favorite Annihilation. That's right. During the Annihilation War, Thanos allies himself with the genocidal villain Annihilus. When the Annihilation Wave destroys the kiln, Thanos sends the Fallen to check on the status of the Beyonder, whose mortal form he finds has perished. Before the Fallen can report back to Thanos, it encounters Tenebrus and Aegis, two of Galactus's ancient foes. Thanos convinces Tenebrus and Aegis to join the Annihilation Wave in order to get revenge on Galactus. They subsequently defeat the World Devourer and the Silver Surfer. Annihilus desires the secret of the power cosmic and asks Thanos to study Galactus. Once Thanos learns Annihilus' true goal is to use the power cosmic to destroy all life and remain the sole survivor, he decides to free Galactus. Drax the Destroyer kills Thanos before he can do so, but discovers that Thanos had placed a failsafe device to allow Silver Surfer to free Galactus in the event that Annihilus betrayed him. During a climactic battle with Annihilus, Nova is near death and sees Thanos standing with Mistress Death. Whew. A cocoon protected by the Universal Church of Truth is revealed to be hiding Thanos, who had been chosen by Oblivion to be the new Avatar of Death. Resurrected before his mind could be fully formed, Thanos goes on a mindless rampage before being captured by the Guardians of the Galaxy. Thanos pretends to aid the Guardians against the invading Cancerverse, and after discovering its origin, kills an alternate version of Captain Marvel, the self-proclaimed Avatar of Life. This causes the collapse of the Cancerverse, and Nova sacrifices himself in an attempt to contain Thanos inside the imploding reality. Thanos escapes and returns to Earth, seeking an artificial cosmic cube. He forms an incarnation of the criminal's group Zodiac to retrieve it, but he is defeated by the Avengers and the Guardians of the Galaxy, and remanded to the custody of the Elders of the Universe. Thanos soon invades Earth again after being informed that most of the Avengers have temporarily left the planet. He launches an assault on Attilan, which he offers to spare in exchange for the deaths of all Inhumans between the ages of 16 and 22. Black Bolt later informs the Illuminati that the true purpose of the invasion is to find and kill Thane, an eternal-slash-inhuman hybrid that Thanos had secretly fathered years earlier. Thanos is trapped in a pocket limbo of stasis by his son Thane. Thanos is then freed by Namor and was among the villains that joined his cabal to destroy 
other worlds. Thanos later meets his end on Battleworld, where he is easily killed by God Emperor Doom during an attempted insurrection. This brings us up to the Infinity Conflict, which we are going to skip for now as we have too much to talk about. Thanos is unintentionally brought back to the universe by Galactus. When Thanos prepares to raid a Project Pegasus facility to steal a cosmic cube, he is ambushed and defeated by a team of Avengers. During their battle, he mortally wounds War Machine and critically injures She-Hulk. After his defeat, he's imprisoned in the Triskelion and manipulates Anti-Man into facilitating his escape. Thanos goes on a killing spree, but Black Panther, Blue Marvel, and Monica Rambeau are able to stop him by using a device that blocks the electrical synapses in his brain. Thanos somehow later recovers and escapes captivity. He then reclaims his Black Order forces from Corvus Glaive. After retaking command of his Black Quadrant outpost, Thanos discovers that he is dying. Thanos tries to force Mentor to find a cure for his malady, but kills him when he is unable to. Soon after, Thanos would be battered and detained by the Shi'ar Imperial Guard after he invaded the very planet station of his father's facility sitting in their territory. A quick jump into the future shows Thanos' estranged son, Thane, having bested his mad father with the personification of death at his side. Presently locked within a maximum security cosmic Alcatraz, Thanos sits alone within a cell as the sickness ravages his body, all while being mocked by its prison warden, whom he lured into a false sense of security in order to escape. Ripping off his arm for escape access and murdering half of his personal staff in a bid for freedom, Thanos narrowly escapes his imprisonment before the prison's self-destruction. Thanos retreats to a hidden outpost where a roving mercenary colony loyal only to him was once stationed. He finds it decimated at the hand of the new lover of Mistress Death, who reveals that she's stricken her former avatar with his fatal sickness. His son Thane now boasted the power of the Phoenix Force, whom under her coaxing had banished the mad Titan back to the decimated moon of Titan, now entirely stripped of his godlike powers. For the next few months, Thanos would survive alone and all but powerless in the ruins of his home city. Surviving off the flesh of mutated vermin and being accosted by local scavengers who preyed upon him in his weakened condition. He soon picked up by the unlikely crew of Thane's betrayed cohorts, Trico Slaughterus, his adopted daughter Nebula, and his brother Eros of Titan. Having heard of their plight, the three were dismayed to find Thanos stripped of all he was and had ever been. Nebula had only agreed to come along so she could attempt to kill her father, and she immediately attempted assaulting him. Star Fox was able to preempt her attempt at patricide while inviting his wayward tyrant of a brother aboard their vessel. Thanos mentioned the only way for him to be relieved of his mortality was to seek out the god Query, heralded by the Witches of Infinity. Star Fox initially wrote this off as fable and folklore, but now, on the path to the Cosmic Coven, set at the edge of the known universe, Thanos and his crew stop short of a black hole, knowing full well that is where the witches make their home. The Mad Titan jumps into the pinhole of nothingness alongside his brother. They survive the crushing force of the singularity they dove into, and Thanos and Eros are greeted by the Cavern at the godly graveyard. Thanos demands that the three return his godhead to him. Star Fox tries his best to charm the Entrantresses, only to be rebuked, much to Thanos' joy, when they prematurely age him. Seeing as it was neither their place to destroy nor turn away those seeking them, 
the witches professed the only way for the warlord to be made whole again was to climb down into the god quarry and await a trial that would test his soul. Immediately after setting foot within the graveyard of old gods, Thanos is subsumed into the bedrock where they rest. As his journey of the core begins, so begins Thanos' trial, with him as leader of the Earth and the universe's greatest champions, the Avengers. But he's unable to escape the nagging feeling he's forgotten something. To the quarry itself, wearing the guise of Falcon, reminds him of who he used to be, tempting him to live as a hero and a man at peace for the first time in his immortal life. But Thanos only laughs maniacally as he coldly rebukes such a path, ruthlessly killing his would-be friends and allies while choosing to remain the same Thanos he had always been. His cosmic knight now returned to him, and Thanos is freed from the god quarry, wherein he immediately accosts his brother Eros and threatens the coven to release him from their domain so that he might do away with Thane once and for all. And that is where we are going to leave it for now. Thanos has been a lot of places. And he goes more, man. It, he does. It just keeps going and going and going. Some notable things after this, Chris, he gets involved in some of the Asgardian storylines, which was something new. And then, you know, they've got stuff recently with Thanos as well. But we covered the main arc. I feel like some main arcs that you've touched on, of course, are the Infinity Saga, Annihilation, and of course, you know, Infinity. We've got some major plot points of Thanos here, and, you know, you covered all that, which is great. A lot of interesting twists and turns in the story as well. Parts of the story, Thanos is trying to be maybe not different, but he's not quite one note. Case in point, Annihilation, you know? Annihilation was right. such a different Thanos that I was not ready for, and it was great. So, yeah. What a character. That he is. So we need to get into the MCU Thanos because he's a different entity entirely. So when they made the MCU and they made the first Avengers film, they started hinting at the actual phases of the MCU in a proper way. And the first way they did that was the Avengers. There's a mid credits scene where they show Thanos on his throne, basically saying he's coming for them. You know, after the failure of Loki with the Chitauri, Thanos is like, I'll reclaim that world. That's kind of our first introduction of him. It's horrible, horrible CGI. Don't watch it. It's bad. Especially when you know Thanos' face from ILM, from Infinity War and Endgame. Yeah. It's not good. But, you know, Guardians onward, we kind of have more of the Thanos that we kind of know, even though he was still a work in progress on his look. But, yeah, we do have Ronan approach Thanos. We realize that Thanos is moving all these parts. Thanos was kind of the one who... Of course, hired Loki, right? Inadvertently. And of course, now Ronan. So they're really tying all this together to Thanos. Then, of course, we move to Avengers Age of Ultron. Once again, another mid-credits scene. So setting this up, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, he's mentioned. So they just keep setting up all these major events. And then, of course, Thanos' two films. And truly, his film is Avengers Infinity War and then Avengers Endgame, the two-part one giant movie, like I like to call it. What more can be said, Chris? These are Thanos' movie, especially Infinity War, when the original Thanos of the original timeline is still alive. Josh Brolin as this character. He does such a great job. He was full mocap, too. Originally, they hired him. He did the voice for some of these cameos, right? Some of these mid-credit scenes. He's always been Thanos, which has been consistent and great, despite the character's look changing a lot till we actually cemented it in Infinity War and Endgame. Man, he's on the set with the full mocap suit. He's got the extended bars up his back, so you can actually get the full height of the character and all this. Man, what a fit. 
you know, and bringing this full circle today, Chris, I mean, you did talk about cable. Josh Brolin does play cable in the Deadpool movies. He does, doesn't he? I didn't even think about that. And they're actually even make Thanos jokes because, you know, classic Deadpool breaking the fourth wall and Deadpool directly talks to the audience about, wasn't this guy just Thanos? Aren't these films a little close together? And of course, you know, Brolin playing cable is great. And what a great fit for cable as well. Thanos, he is Thanos. And this Thanos, I think it was a really interesting introduction to a lot of people to this character. They probably always seen his pictures or heard his name, but not really known the character. Of course, a different approach to Thanos entirely, but very, very interesting. I mean, really just fixated on that ideology of Titan dying, you know, from the overpopulation. And he's took it on upon himself to that never happening again in the rest of the universe. This is his one goal is to get all these stones and make this happen. You know, I was kind of sad that they didn't bring in Mistress Death into any of this in the MCU. I understand why they didn't. I'm not mad about it. I'd hoped is all. (laughs) I just, I'd hoped. That's very true. Some notable things, Chris, about this performance of Brolin is some of the scenes that really sing in this movie, Infinity War and even parts of Endgame, but his relationship with Gamora and the whole soul stone sequence where he goes to Voromir with Gamora and the red skull now and the spirit eternal form tells them in order to get the soul stone, he has to lose what he loves most. And, you know, Gamora starts laughing. You've never loved anything in your entire life. And there's tears streaming down his face because he has loved one thing and one thing only. And that's his daughter, Gamora sacrificing her to get the soul stone. It truly is a, it's a tough scene. For all the reasons, it's a tough scene. It's just a route with Thanos. I was not expecting they take this sort of more nuanced approach to a villain, I I suppose. Well, you know, the best on-screen villains are ones that the audience can identify with at least part of the way. Right. And heroes of their own story. Right. And that is exactly what they did with this slight recharacterization of Thanos was make him a little bit more identifiable, make him you know, a would-be savior of the universe. Right. Very interesting, but I think it was the right way to go. I think it was too. And clearly he's still an enemy to our heroes. And, you know, even the Thanos and Endgame, which is timey-wimey stuff. And then we have a Thanos come back and he's even more ruthless because he's the Thanos prior to the events of Infinity War. And yeah, Chris, I mean, let's talk about just the Avengers fighting him. Cap with Thor's hammer you know, very iconic. Very cool. Thor, still the overweight Thor, which is absolutely wonderful. I can't get over it. His arc in that movie is so good. And the fact that, you know, he's like, let's kill him proper this time. And Tony, Cap, and Thor all just, you know, the struggles they're going through, they still fight him again and, you know, almost lose. And they're saved by Strange and Wong bringing everyone back, you know? And then, of course, we have the final fight and final confrontation and of course tony outsmarting thanos and snapping and that's that's how they beat him and you know what a fitting into such a great character such a great villain and chris i think this kind of fixes some of the problems we've always talked about the marvel movies which is this is a villain that actually got several appearances in several movies and it really just made it better well and they had an obvious plan that they were building to these particular movies with this whole arc yeah with this whole arc 
so it made sense that they've got the right guy in there and they gave him screen time and these a lot of screen time before these movies came up and then a ton in these movies and it just it just worked right it felt right it felt very comic booky because there was an obvious story arc happening not just movies slapped together one oh it did okay let's do a second right. one type thing this was very deliberate yeah if only the MCU was the spot it was around the time of Infinity War, when Age of Ultron came out, you know, and Ultron could have had a oh, bigger yeah. presence in more movies. James Spader doing such an incredible job playing the voice and fitting this role so well. But, you know, we can't have everything, which is a bummer. Maybe someday in the future we'll get Annihilus. That would be great. We'll see. Time will tell. I'm hoping for it. I am too, Chris. So let's move on to Thanos's superpowers. Thanos is a mutant member of the race of superhumans known as the Titanian Eternals. The character possesses abilities common to the Eternals, but amplified to a higher degree through a combination of his mutant eternal heritage, bionic amplification, mysticism, and power bestowed by the abstract entity, death, demonstrating enormous superhuman strength, speed, stamina, immortality, and invulnerability, among other qualities, Thanos can absorb and project vast quantities of cosmic energy and is capable of telekinesis and telepathy. He can manipulate matter and live indefinitely without food, air, or water, cannot die of old age, is immune to all terrestrial diseases, and has high resistance to psychic assaults. Thanos is also an accomplished hand-to-hand -hand combatant, having been trained in the art of war on Titan. Hmm. So Chris, closing out our lore section, I know you have some good comic book recommendations for us. So I'm going to go classic here. Check out Infinity Gauntlet, you know, the classic cover right. of Thanos smiling with the glove and all the gems, and you know, they're all shining. It's classic. It is. Check that out. And then I would also recommend one of the more recent Thanos arcs, Infinity. That's the one I read and really enjoyed, and it, it was wild. Once again, part of this it's crazy really cosmic universe and the modern day Marvel, it's very good. And Thanos' power level seems very based in real life and nuanced in that particular series. It's not out of control, I guess, in a good way. Yeah, I would agree with that. And of course, we recommended Infinity last week because what a great series for the children of Thanos, the members of the Black Order. One could argue it's their only real series. That's very true. All right, Chris, let's get over to strategy. We're in strategy. Grab Thanos's card. Here we go. Thanos, the Mad Titan. His alter ego is Thanos. On his healthy side, he has eight stamina, a speed of medium, a height of three, and a threat cost of six. His defenses are three physical, three energy, four mystic. And on his back, he has nine stamina. So it jumps up, Chris. Any thoughts about this six threat man, Thanos? Just the fact that he's six threat. That's right. That's him and Hulk. That's awesome. That's incredible. I want to see what that entails. Eight stam is a ton. Eight and nine. That's quite a bit. Wild. 17 stamina overall. Nothing to scoff at. Quickly encroaching on that Hulk 20. So pretty insane. Let's talk about his first attack. It is a physical attack. It is strike. It is range two. Strength six. Not bad. Power cost zero. After this attack is resolved, this character gains power equal to the damage dealt. On a wild, you will trigger throw. Oof. Before damage is dealt, this character may throw the target character away short. 
All of this for free. I guess that's what we get with a threat level six character. Yeah, this is pretty good. Six is good. Six is good, man. But more importantly, a throw baked into a strike is great. And notice, Chris, this says this character may throw the target away short. It doesn't say the target of size X. It's just the target. So presumably in the future, if we get even larger models than the Hulk, like size four or or even maybe five, who knows? Thanos could throw them, which is great. I'm thinking Sentinels, Juggernaut, Rhino. These are all good things. One can hope, Chris. One can hope. His second attack is an energy attack called Cosmic Blast. It's a range three attack, five strength, zero power cost. When creating the dice pool for this attack, Thanos may spend up to three power. Add one die to this attack roll for each power spent in this way. Has a wild trigger called Titan's Will. After this attack is resolved, this character pushes the target character away short. The push character gains the slow special condition. So Chris, this, wow. this is a theme we've seen with the Black Order. They all have a builder strike. That's kind of close range. And then they all have a ranged attack of sorts that's also strike-ish. This one doesn't build any power, but it also costs nothing. And you can spend up to three power to buff the dice from five up to eight or, you know, any number in between six or seven. And it has a push, which pushes are always great. They're not as good as throws, but you cannot complain. You know, these are decent attacks. He's not hitting like the Hulk, but he's hitting pretty well. He's hitting pretty hard, man. Let's talk about his affiliation leadership ability, his death's agenda. When an enemy character is KO'd, this character's controlling player scores 1VP. Pretty cool. Super cool. Really hard to do, Chris, because notice it says KO'd. So when a character's dazed, this does not trigger. So you have to kill someone twice, basically, to get this VP. But pretty neat. Not as easy to do as like a Killmonger usurp the throne, sort of kill someone, get the VPs. But if Thanos is around late game and he's still on his healthy side, it's a lot more likely. So you might want to flip him. And I say that because when Thanos flips... His leadership changes, Chris, and he's the only leader in the game currently that has a leadership that flips when he's injured. So his flipped leadership is called Death's Agenda. During the modified die step of an attack, an allied character may suffer up to three damage. For each damage suffered, it may reroll one of its attack dice. If an attacking character becomes dazed or KO during the attack, the attack ends immediately. You obviously don't want to do that, ideally. So Chris, he loses his gain VPs for kills, but his team, the Black Order, gains take up to three damage, add that amount of dice to your dice pool. So late game, it's a little risk reward, but you can really take some damage and finish some kills. Part of me almost wishes these were flipped. I think that would be too powerful. Yeah, because getting that one VP on the on the flip side is yeah would be nasty because late game everyone else would also have gone through their healthy side as well well and even the death's agenda on the back on the front side might be too nasty too like just giving corvus two dice every so often right. he pings himself for two damage and you know he bumps up these big attacks already with a reality gem or something pretty gross his next superpower is an active superpower called cosmic portal it costs two power Choose another character within range four of Thanos. Place the chosen character within range two of its current position. A character can be placed by the superpower only once per turn. Notice it says a character, Chris. So if you have the power, you can do this to several characters, but you can't do it to one character more than once. 
He's a very power hungry guy. He is. And this is a great power. Notice it says character. So you can use this defensively to move someone like crossbones away. You don't want him in there, or you can use it aggressively for your team as a support role, move someone like crossbones on your team or Corvus glaive up to closer to their targets, creating threats on the board. It's very useful, and it's helping my boy Crossbones it is. be relevant. Let's talk about his next superpower. It is a reactive superpower. It is called Death's Decree. It costs two power. When another allied character within four of this character targets an enemy character with an attack, this character may use this superpower. If the attacking character is healthy, it adds two dice to its attack roll. If the attacking character is injured, it adds four dice to its attack roll. This superpower may be used only once per turn. Man. That's cool. It's so good. These are the staples of Thanos, Chris. This cosmic portal and this death's decree. He's moving people around the map. He's also buffing up your allies' attacks when he can afford it. It's very cool. If they're injured, Chris, this is very serious. You know, if we have Rocket flipped on his backside, his normal strike is nine dice. That's nothing to laugh at. Mr. Raccoon. No, not at all. That's very threatening. Yeah. And especially if he double taps. But yeah, you know, these are all fringe scenarios. But I mean, you can always guarantee this is going to give you two dice, right? If someone's at least healthy. So two power for two dice. Yeah, I'll take that. Especially if it's a attack type that someone's weak to. Say you're attacking someone like Venom with an energy attack. One of your characters is attacking Venom with an energy attack. Venom is really bad with his energy defenses. So if you buff that even more, you're really going to do quite a bit of damage to someone in the right moment. And you know that's a good example right there. He has two innate superpowers left. The first is being of immeasurable power. When this character would suffer damage from an enemy effect, reduce the amount suffered by one. Additionally, this character may have two infinity gems rather than the normal allowed one and may use the active or reactive superpowers of infinity gems without paying the power cost. So let's dissect this, Chris. So the first part is he has the innate ability. The entire Black Order has the reduced damage by one, except his doesn't say to a minimum of one. It just says reduced damage by one period. So anytime you deal one damage to Thanos, you've dealt zero. Shuri, I'm sorry. You're doing nothing to Thanos. See ya. So this is great. He's the only character in the game that has this. Every other character suffers at least one with these type of abilities. So it really is a standout feature of him. Earlier we said he's 17 stamina. Turns out he is 17 stamina, but really he's a lot more, Chris, because every single time he's being attacked, he's chipping off one auto even the attacks that are do one or two damage. So he's a lot higher than 17 stamina, if that makes sense. So tanky. It's just terrifying. It's very terrifying. And let's get into the second part of the ability. He can equip two infinity gems rather than one. Most characters in the game can't even use them. So this is already quite different. He has access to every gem in the game. So let's just talk about that. He's the gem bearer of the mind, power, reality, soul, space, and time. And he's immune to stun, which is huge because if you gave a stun to him, he just wouldn't work. And that's a great design choice because if he's not getting power when people are attacking him, that's a problem because his stuff costs a lot of power. But him being able to use the infinity gems for free is kind of a basis of his kit, Chris. And I think we just got to get into the Infinity Gems and see how they make sense with Thanos. We've talked about some on the show as time's gone on, but we just need to go through them. So 
Starting with the Reality Gem, it costs one threat. It has an innate ability called Reality Gem. When rolling dice as part of an attack, defense, dodge roll, or interact roll, this character treats one skull in the results as a crit. We talked about this last week with our segment on Corvus. It's kind of taped to Corvus's card, but it is a really good choice for Thanos because as you saw, he has some pretty decent attacks, Chris. Nothing too crazy, but he has a six dice and a potential eight dice attack. If he's turning a skull on those to a crit, exploding more crits, it's really good. Also makes him a really good contender for the objectives like the Kree power court where you need to roll a crit to pick up the power core. And Absolutely. turns out someone like Thanos wants to hold the Kree power core because he's probably not going to drop it for a long time because he's very tanky. Inversely, we will mention while we're here, the reality gem's probably less fun on Thanos, less use of his fun because it doesn't have a power cost to use its ability. It's a baked in innate. Great fit on Thanos, but you're not getting this discount. So let's talk about the soul gem next. My personal favorite gem, not necessarily tactically in the game. I'm just talking lore wise. It's pretty cool in the game. It's going to cost one threat. It is an innate ability. When an enemy character within range four of this character uses an active or reactive superpower, this character gains one power after the effect is resolved. So cool. It's it's a really cool gem. It works well on Thanos because if he's in the middle of the board, everybody's using the superpowers He's sucking power. He needs power. We've seen he spends power a lot. He spends power outside of his activation, Chris, to do Death's Decree. You know, say Rocket's attacking, you know, Thanos is buffing it up. He needs power. So this works as well. The next gem is the Infinity Gem. Time costs two threat, which is quite a bit. Gives you an active superpower called Time Gem that costs two which for Thanos costs nothing. This character may perform an additional action this activation. This power can be only used once per turn. So Thanos now has three actions. Really good, except it makes Thanos eight, which is kind of crazy. The power cost is a little bit steep, but I absolutely love the effect. I will say I only think the time gem is worth it on Thanos because, you know, it costs two threat and then you're spending two power to do it as an action. The fact that it's free for Thanos might be worth the two threat, but eight is pretty crazy, Chris. It's big. Let's talk about the next gem. It is the power gem. It costs one threat. It is another innate ability. During the power phase, this character gains two additional power instead of the normal one for having an infinity gem. There you go. It's always good. We like it on Ronan and we like it on Star-Lord and we like it on Thanos. Absolutely. You know, Chris, as we mention every time we come across the Infinity Gems, if you blindly equip one of these on Thanos, you're helping him out because he's gaining extra power during the power phase for having a gem. So it's cool the power gems even one more power than the normal innate feature of a gem giving you one extra power, which is, we talked about last week, a high value piece of these gems entirely. You know, if they were blank and they just gave you extra power, that's that's valuable. The next gem is the Infinity Gem Space. Costs two threat. Gives you an active superpower called the Space Gem. Costs two power to perform. Choose this character or another allied character within range three and place it within range two of its current position. This superpower can be used only once per turn. Once again, expensive, cost two, and you pay two to do the power. It's not ideal. It's strong because it's crazy shenanigans with objectives and stuff. But once again, eight threat for Thanos, and now he's got to pay for it. It's complicated. But for him, it's free. But I mean, someone like Loki, Loki's paying full price for this. So that's a tough sell on Loki. It'd be fun to use with Thanos, but I don't know about all the time. 
Let's talk about the last gem, the Mind Gem. It is threat level one. It is an active power. It costs two. Choose an enemy character within range three and advance it short. This superpower may be used only once per turn. This is the gem. I default equip on Thanos unless I want to do something different, you know, change it up a little bit. But the Mind Gem, it's just so good, Chris. Like every round you're moving an enemy character any direction you want short for free. Yeah. So good to control the flow of the game. Right. And then you can spend your power on things like Desecree and the Cosmic Portal. And so you can move another character with Cosmic Portal. You know, choose another character with a range four, place them range two. So you've kind of got this advance someone short from the Mind Gem, Cosmic Portal someone else. Thanos is really controlling the battlefield on his terms. And, you know, this really works. That's it for the gems, Chris. And I think they really fit Thanos well, especially the ones that, you know, costs power to do things because for him, of course, costs him nothing, which is valuable. But let's talk about these Black Order cards real quick. So we have a pretty powerful card with the Black Order and Thanos called Blood Despair. It's Black Order reactive tactics card. When a Black Order character would be dazed by an enemy effect, it may spend three power to play this card. The character immediately performs an attack before gaining the dazed token. If this attack resulted in the character removing damage, it is no longer dazed. This is great, Chris. This is a counter-strike on steroids. Oh, yeah. If you kill Corvus and you know he has enough power to perform Blood Despair, do you really want to kill him? Do you want to give Corvus a free attack before he's dazed because he hits like a truck? Do you want to give this to Thanos before he's dazed? It's really strong. It's very strong. And it legitimately makes you question when you want to, you know, take some of these characters out, which is not a fun place to be when you're fighting against Corvus Glaive and you know, Thanos. Very true. The next card we'll talk about is Mothership. It is a Black Order active card. Two Black Order characters may both spend two power each to play this card. Place one of the two characters not holding an objective token within range one of the other character. This is my auto-include Black Order card. That's crazy, man. It's so good. So this is especially good on those maps where you have two flanks. Say Thanos is on one side of the map and you have Corvus and Proxima on another and some other characters. Most importantly, Thanos is done on his side of the map. Maybe he got his Kree power core. He's fought some people. And now he wants to teleport into the fray with Corvus and Proxima and help them out give them support. It's a great way to do that. And you're never going to make it across the table, Chris, like with movements, unless you just spend several actions and several turns getting there. This is going to mitigate all that. It is expensive. It costs two each, but I think it's worth every price. It's worth every bit of power to be able to flip the board. And when you're talking about characters like these, they're all very good characters. They're all powerful in the Black Order. So moving any of them from one flank to the other is going to be a problem. Absolutely. You mentioned they're powerful. They're all tanky. They all sustain a lot of damage and gain power. You Sometimes you put gems on them, which give them more power. So this mothership is not out of your reach of price points. The next card is Price of Failure. It's a Black Order active tactics card. Choose an injured allied character to play this card. So keep in mind, they have to be on their injured side of their card. All other allied characters gain three power. The chosen character is now KO'd. The art on this is great. We have Black Dwarf after his failure in Wakanda and Thanos about to, you know, have some words with him. This is a great card for the Nebulas and Rockets on your teams. It hurts me because I love these characters, Nebula and Rocket, but say it's mid to late game. This is a huge, huge surge 
for your team. Corvus Glaive, the Maw, Proxima, Thanos, whoever, now just got three power each because you sacrificed a rocket or nebula on your team? Okay. It's very powerful, and these are all very power-hungry characters. Absolutely. If you can keep them fed, they are powerful like we've been talking about. But if your opponent is denying power or if you're just having some hard rolls, it can be really, really especially tough. Oh, yeah. This is just such a strong and fun faction. So those are the Black Order faction cards. So now we're going to go into just a couple of the character-specific cards, starting with Thanos' card. Power of the Cosmos. Power of the Cosmos is an A1, strength 6, power cost 0 attack. It is unaffiliated, and it is active. During his activation, Thanos may spend 4 power to play this card. Thanos may use the power of the Cosmos attack shown above once this activation. Add one to the range of this attack for each Infinity Gem this character has to a maximum of A5. An enemy character damaged by this attack is pushed away short from this character. Really cool. It's a control piece. It's good damage, six dice, A1. But yeah, Chris, like if you're going to have a gem on Thanos, this is A2 by default. So I like it. it. It's a nice push too. It's a good way to finish a game out, push people off an objective, maybe gamma shelters, right? Just push them off and kind of secure the win of the game. This is a nice way to do it. The next card is my personal favorite of the named cards. It's called Shh, and it's a Ebony Maw card, unaffiliated, reactive. When an enemy character within range five of an allied Ebony Maw spends one or more power to use a active or reactive superpower, Ebony Mom may spend three to play the Shush card. The enemy superpower has no effect, cannot be used again for the rest of this turn, but the enemy character still spends the power cost of that superpower and is now considered to have used that superpower. This is a counterspell, Chris. It's something we see in card games, but this is huge. This is crazy. Played properly, this is absolutely devastating. They just paid the power for this as well. And you know what? Sometimes superpowers do take an action. This is detrimental to a Killmonger or Zemo when they just paid for their charge, which takes an action, and now they don't right. have to charge. So they, not only did they just lose an action, like a stagger, but they also paid money for a charge, and their their whole plan is ruined. It's a crazy card. It's a great thematic Ebony Maw card, too. Oh, it's wonderful. Let's talk about the last card now. It is called Execute. It is reactive, and it is also unaffiliated. When Corvus Glaive targets an enemy character with an attack that is within range 1 of an allied Proxima Midnight, or when Proxima Midnight targets an enemy character with an attack that is within range 1 of an allied Corvus Glaive, both characters may spend 2 power to play this card. The enemy character rolls no defense dice during this attack. Very good. That's absolutely brutal. It is. But kind of hard to pull off. It is hard to pull off, but if you're playing Corvus and Proxima a lot correctly, it's not, which is the good news. But yeah, it is hard to pull off. Probably the toughest one out of these named character cards we're talking about. But you know, these are powerful cards, Chris. All three of these, they have to be used at the right times. So you really got to know when you're going to take them, when you're going to play them. I mean, just the art on this, you know, they're attacking a, a Red Hulk, which is a nice little. It's such a cool addition. addition right? Yeah. And they're just taking away his defense and 
you know, finishing the kill. It's really great. Yeah. Can we just talk about the art on some of these cards? Well, we can because I think something we didn't talk about on the art of Mothership, and I think super viable, is using Mothership to teleport the Black Dwarf who's a slow mover across the map. Oh my gosh. You read my mind. (laughs) It's it's what you do. And then with you have you have the Maw versus Doctor Strange in a very, very cool action-y shot you know the mall <laughs> just has everything just suspended in air and and strange is just struggling to move it's very cool it's very good yeah these cards are everything you want chris the price of failure really speaks to me on the level of us just reading these stories recently and you know what we saw that happened with the black dwarf it's great they knocked it out of the park again as you always know they absolutely did. So, Chris, closing out Thanos' strategy, he's a tough character. We're going to get more into him in the future, but we wanted to like give you guys a proper Black Order, you know, a couple episodes of the Black Order. We hope you guys have enjoyed this. But basically, Thanos is a tanky bruiser, but his actual number one role is support. So it's a really interesting juxtaposition of the character. Kingpin, coming up, is just a straight bruiser with a couple, you know, things for his team because he's the leader Thanos is not only the leader and a bruiser but he's also tanky and he has several support abilities built into his kit and then you add gems on top of that he gets more support abilities into his kit right he's a very interesting one to play a very interesting one to balance he's very very good but when you really get into it the threat costs you're paying it's true for him with the gems it's really hard to build a team around sometimes you gotta know what you're doing as much as I do love the character and I love this affiliation, they're tough. He's definitely not a weak character by any means. He's he's very hard to beat on the tabletop. But like you said, you are giving up activation count. So you really have to know what you're doing with these Black Order characters. And this can be said about the entire Black Order, Chris. The only member of the Black Order that's three threat or less, as in just three threat, is Proxima Midnight. Corvus and Black Dwarf are four. Ebony Maw's five. And Thanos is six. And this is all prior to gems. Like I said, you really want Corvus with that reality gem when you can afford it. So he's really five. Ebony Maw, you can take a gem on him if you want. Bump him up. Thanos, he could be six. He could be eight. He could be seven. He could be nine. I mean, there's a lot of options the route you go. But I think a safe option for Thanos is just kind of always thinking he's probably around seven. And you're taking one of those one cost gems. That fits your scenario and, and your playstyle better. Personally, for me, it's the mind gem because him getting to move someone every single turn is so brutal. It's just, it's almost like a half stagger, you know? Every time you're doing it, you're making someone have to get back to where they just were the next turn, you know, just to do what they wanted to do. So he's a great character for control. He's a great character for support, you know, to make it even more interesting, just flip the coin fully on its head, you know, is that he's a tanky bruiser too. Though his attacks are a little more lackluster for a six threat as compared to a Hulk or a MODOK or something who's a five threat, but that's not what you're playing him. You're playing him for all these support roles and that he's not going away because he's tanky. No, he's he's going to be on the board for a while. Which means he's going to be supporting longer, right? And he's going to be doing the things you want to do to the enemy team and to your own team. So right, he's personally one of my favorite characters to play in the game. I've had a lot of not only fun with him, but also success with him. And I'm, I'm really trying to learn how to play him best because he is a very high skill ceiling character. And I think when you play him, it's really rewarding. And Chris, we're going to have to talk about on our show sometime in the future because we're not doing it today, but just the encounter 
and the encounter against Thanos and how crazy yes. it is and how powerful he is in that counter. Because, you know, keep in mind, this Thanos we're playing in the game is the Thanos with, at max, two gems, you know? They really did a really cool thematic balance where it's like, okay, Thanos with zero, one, or two gems would be around this power level. The Thanos in the scenario has every gem, and it's unbelievable. And he can call in the Black Order to fight with him. And oh, yeah. these thematic teams, and it's really hard to beat him. It's intentionally designed that way, and in the hands of a good player, it's even harder. It's just everything you want in your MCP experience, but it is a different Thanos than this Thanos we talked about today, which is important to mention. Also, his gems are incredibly powerful versions of the ones we just talked about. They are buffed up versions of the very ones we just talked about. So similar abilities to what we just talked about, but on a much higher level. <laughs> Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. Catch our streams of Marvel Christ Protocol at twitch.tv slash Fury's Finest and follow the show on Twitter at Fury's Finest Cast and Facebook and Instagram at Fury's Finest. Email us at Fury's Finest at gmail.com with any sort of show inquiries. And also, we're working on this terrain components episode like I mentioned last week. So if you are a terrain company and components company or a map company, reach out to us. We would love to review your stuff for the episode continue to leave us reviews on apple Podcasts. it really helps us out thanks to approaching nirvana for our intro and outro music help spread the word of our show please rate review and subscribe we hope you guys have enjoyed this series of the black order i'm sure you noticed but our art changed for these episodes on the podcast feed which is very exciting so cool we also dropped this particular design of the black order with thanos with corvus with proxima with ebony maw black dwarf and supergiant on our tea public page so if you're a black order fan like chris and i are it might be a great time to pick up a sticker or a t-shirt or a coffee mug of you know the fury's finest logo with the black order once again like i said recently it's something we want to do more of the future we want to do different teams in the marvel universe with our logo through our artist ross so if you guys like this stuff and pick up the stuff on the tea public page it's something we're definitely going to pursue in the future and we cannot thank you enough you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Jesse Aiken. That's J-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. Check out my podcast, Project Starhawk, which is about the recently released Star Wars game, Star Wars Squadrons, which just came out. We're on Squadrons High. If you're interested in that game at all, we'd really appreciate you guys listening. And you can follow me, Chris, on Twitter at Chris Bruffett, C-H-R-I-S-B-R-U-F-F-E-T-T. Thanks for listening, true believers. Excelsior. The world has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything would surprise me. Ten bucks says you're wrong. stones somewhere under all this all i know is he doesn't have them so we keep it that way you know it's a trap right yeah 
I don't much care. Good. Just as long as we're all in agreement. Let's kill him properly this time. You could not live with your own failure. Where did that bring you? Back to me. I thought by eliminating half of life, the other half would thrive. But you've shown me that's impossible. And as long as there are those that remember what was, there will always be those that are unable to accept what can be. They will resist. Yep, we're all kinds of stubborn. I'm thankful. Because now, I know what I must do. I will shred this universe down to its last atom. And then, with the stones you've collected for me, Create a new one, teeming with life, that knows not what it has lost, but only what it has been given. A grateful universe. Born out of blood. They'll never know it. Because you won't be alive to tell them.